a friend might mention to you that so-and-so from some other NHL team scored a goal last night. You'll immediately, you, the really, really into it hockey fan, will immediately process what that goal would have looked like, even if there was no accompanying description. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. Joe Pavelski scored his sixth goal of the playoffs for the Stars last night in beating the Kraken 6-3 to up in Seattle. And before I extrapolate a little bit more, on the truly great Joe Pavelski, and he is that come playoff time. I'll add that the Hurricanes pounded the Devils six to one and went up three games to one in that series and appear to be on their way to the Eastern Conference Final, which is really impressive considering Carolina's missing some very important pieces. But Pavelski, he's my target today. And he's an easy target. He's a convenient target. He's 39 years old, and he just keeps scoring. And the reason that he just keeps scoring is the same reason that he's the same guy that you can count on every single spring to be one of your best playoff performers. It was that way in San Jose, and it's that way in Dallas. If I asked you, to guess who are the three active leading playoff goal scorers in the league. And I told you that Alexander Ovechkin was one of them. Sidney Crosby was next. It, would you say Pavelski's third? Probably not, Not at least not like this, but he is. And he's been that guy for a long time. And he's... Someone, the Penguins, who've never employed him, are so very sorely missing. I'm going to rewind you back to when Jim Rutherford first took the Penguins' job. That, of course, being in 2015. And he looked at the roster and he saw all this talent. And he saw some of it that made sense, maybe an overflow in other areas. And he traded on the NHL draft floor. James Neal for Patrick Hornquist. And as someone who was on that floor that day, I can attest to you that my phone was buzzing like crazy with negativity. Social media, friends, acquaintances, whatever it was. This is outrageous. How could they do this? Neal's a 40-goal scorer. Hornquist's never come close to that. What do you, what's he even thinking here? What is this? Is this some old-school grit move or whatever? All that trade did was set the stage for back-to-back Stanley Cup championships. And no one, no matter how you felt about that transaction that day, would deny that those championships couldn't have happened without 72 parking his posterior in front of the other team's goaltender. You know the way he played. I don't need to go over that again. You know the... Big goals, huge goals, one outright historic goal, one of the great moments in our city's sporting history when he banked that puck off Pecorine's rear end down there in Nashville in Game 6. 
This was the player who came in and changed the Penguins' personality. It didn't happen because Mike Sullivan became head coach. It didn't happen because uh, Sid, Gino, Latang, or anybody else from the core had made some sort of decree. No, he did that. He was going to be that player who came in and said, I don't care how any of you play. I don't care if you're into perimeter passing or tic-tac-toe or scoring off the rush. I don't care. I'm me. This is the way I'm going to play. This is the way I got myself into the NHL as Mr. Irrelevant when it was the Predators of all teams that took him a very, 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 very last selection of his draft class. And that's the way he was going to be, Mr. Stubborn, on and off the ice. And I say that lovingly. Hornquist and Pavelski are not really all that similar for me to be paralleling them this way. Uh, Pavelski has way more of a scoring touch. Hornquist takes way more abuse whenever he's healthy enough to be playing. And here's hoping that happens again someday. Currently out with a concussion from the Panthers. But through different roads, they achieve the same goal, quite literally. And that's by going to the net. That's by disrupting. Pavelski does his disruption a little bit differently. He is the master of the redirect, the deflection of the tip. He can do it from far out. He can do it from terrible angles. He can do it from right in front. He can do it with his back to the net, with his back to the point shot. It doesn't matter. He's just brilliant at it. Arguably one of the very best in the history of the game. Your Penguins and that maddening power play that drives you nuts, there's no secret to why it doesn't work. There's no secret to why those five guys can be out there for two and a half straight minutes and not get a damn thing done. It's because nothing ever makes its way to the middle. Chris Letang used to tell me when Hornquist was still in Pittsburgh, he would see from the point the terrible things that were happening to Hornquist in that area. And he would say to himself, I owe it to him to get this puck there. I, he's, he's over there getting murdered for me. All I've got to do is flick the puck. My part's easy. And it's not a different mindset than what Justin Schultz had on that historic goal when Schultz shot it wide of Rene and Hornquist was able to take that carom off the boards. They would see him there and they would think we've got to go there and not just put the puck there, but also follow up. The very best versions of the Pittsburgh power play that you've seen in the Sid Gino Tanger era have been when Sid and Gino themselves will descend on the net. Sid is devastating from that right lip. They'll get down there. The magnet doesn't exist. There's no Hornquist. Jake Gensel does some cute things down there, and it's really funny in a way, and it's admirable that he is your net front guy, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work. No one's going to look at Jake in front and think, man, I've really got to get him the puck there. And man, here's hoping the new GM pays attention not only to the film 
of the Penguins' power play from the past couple of years, but also to film of what Dallas is doing on their power play. When we come back, J1Q. from here to says DK I'm curious about your opinion on this all of the shortcomings the Penguins current roster aside how big of a factor do you think it was the pressure that they might have felt inside that locker room knowing that these are their last chances to win a cup maybe also knowing that they're not as dominant anymore as they were a few years ago especially when they see upcoming younger and faster teams like the Devils and the Sabres. Uh, there's a lot packaged in into your question there, Hirt, but I see where you're going. I am going to answer this in, in a way that might not be all that popular because I, I've addressed the stuff about how Sid and Gino and these guys feel about their abilities and where they are at their point in their careers. They believe that they are still really, really good players, and there's a there's a good reason for that. They are, okay? Sid and Gina were point-of-game guys. Latang, when he was on top of his game this past season and everything was going well for him, he was a top defenseman in the league. So they don't feel, uh, I, we can't keep up with these guys or Devils, Sabres, or whatever that was. That's not an issue. But this other thing that you mentioned, I haven't even talked about this, but I did think about it that night when the Penguins were facing the Blackhawks. Because here's this Chicago team that's actively trying to throw this game. In hindsight, it's kind of good that they didn't for them, right? And you see they called up these AHL guys, and and they were trying to impress people, and they did so probably way more than management had counted on or had hoped for. But they played really hard. The Hawks played really hard that night. I said it in the moment. I'm going to say it now. I'm not going to revise history. Penguins still should have clocked them. But the Hawks played hard. And when I was looking at the Penguins, who also were playing hard, I saw what you're describing. I saw one team that had absolutely nothing to play for other than to lose. And I saw the home team putting uh, two decades worth of success on the line for this otherwise very visibly meaningless game. It was bizarre. Unlike anything I've covered, unlike anything I've seen, as someone who's loved hockey in Pittsburgh my whole life, since going all the way back to 1989, when the Penguins were trying to squeak into the playoffs and lost to Uwe Krupp and the Sabres, the last shot of the last game. And I, I, I saw a team that was exhibiting the type of characteristics that you're describing. They had everything, everything to lose that night, everything that they'd battled for. And I'm talking about the core guys, not the whole group, okay? Everything that they'd battled for, the injuries that they'd played through, uh, in Latang's case, the heartache that he'd played through, everything. Everything was there. And here are these other guys Lottie dying it in terms of uh, not again, not in terms of effort, but in terms of, the you know, the approach, you know, might as well just go for it. 
And I, I did get that sense that night. I really did. And your question is the first time really that that, that popped back for me. That sense that these guys are, wow, they are wound so tight. And there's a reason for it. Is that going to affect them moving forward? I think to an extent it will. I really do. I picture a situation where, let's say the Penguins get this brilliant GM. GM comes in, makes all these wonderful moves, and the Penguins become a 50-win team next year. Okay? Just write it out. Okay? And they'd enter the playoffs with absolutely only one thing on everyone's mind. And that would be what? Yeah, this is it. Here you go. Every game is literal do or die. Meaning you either win the cup this year or you are done forever. There's no next year. Even if there is, there's no next year. There's no nothing. It won't feel like there is. Right now, it doesn't feel like there is a next year. So, yes, I do think it's going to be a factor. Outstanding question here. I appreciate it. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. And we'll do another one of these tomorrow. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.